as we know, we've been talking about thriving. And uh, thriving is more than just uh, surviving. It's about living for the mission that God made you for. Um, I know a little bit about that. It was uh, 13 years ago that my wife and I stepped out on faith to follow what we thought was God's mission for our life. And uh, we moved here to Indianapolis. And uh, there wasn't, we didn't know one person in this uh, city, but it was our dream to say, God, use our lives not for our sake, but to impact the lives of other people and to reach people who are far from Christ. And it's been amazing to watch God bless that vision and to see thousands of people uh, touched uh, since then. And uh, really, I give all the credit and the glory to God. I want to remind you again that this church never really existed uh, for me or for any person that was already here. There wasn't anybody here. We existed for those who weren't here yet. And even around you right now, there are names of thousands of people who are written on little post-it notes, people who need God desperately to intervene in their lives, and that's why this church is here. And so it's always been our mission to be uh, this multiplying, a multi-generational, a multicultural church from day one that would affect people who are far from Jesus. And to that end, we've seen... Um, not only 1,300 people baptized here, but we've started five other churches here in Indiana. Uh, we are now expressing Heartland Church across seven different services on Sunday morning in four different locations, one of those being Purdue University, another being Butler uh, University. Don't know if you knew that, but this afternoon at 4 p.m., right on uh, Purdue University's campus, there's going to be a great uh, service, Heartland Church being expressed there. And uh, the person who's leading that is our, one of our new associate pastors, uh, Pastor Clary Butler, who is the pastor of communications. Uh, pastor Clary and I got to know each other about a year ago. We began dialoguing, and he's an exceptional pastor. He has a, graduated. It's funny. You have a church service at Purdue University, but you graduated from IU. So that's really a mission field for you, right? Uh, he received his uh, JD at IU University. He's a very accomplished speaker. He's a lawyer by training, but called by God. He's been a pastor for about 10 years, and we're so fortunate to have him join our staff for this season of time, for the next period of time as he uh, gains uh, all, you know, whatever God has for him as he prepares for point leadership in a church someday. But for now, this is the campus. This is the location that God has him uh, to be point leader here. And so I want you to give him a warm welcome today as he comes to share God's word. Pastor Clary Butler, will you join us today and bring the word of God to us? We continue our series. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good morning, Heartland. Would you help me? He's taking his seat now, but would you help me bless God for the visionary leadership of Pastor Darren Shesky? <clears throat> I appreciate uh, him giving me this opportunity. I appreciate all of you being here uh, today. Um, I know you, you may be wondering, um, can he preach? And maybe you're silently saying that to your neighbor, can he preach? And uh, I'm up here uh, silently saying to, uh, to God, can they pray? Um, and, uh, so, so you, you may need me to deliver the message or to preach and I will need you to pray. Uh, is that a good deal? That's a good deal. Uh, and so if I fail miserably here, um, uh, I will only attribute it to the fact that you were unable to reach the heavenly father <laughs> with your prayers, with your prayers. Listen, I hope uh, each of you had an awesome Thanksgiving. Uh, this is the Thanksgiving season, a holiday season and uh, I, I'm reminded of two farmers uh, over Thanksgiving that were talking, and uh, they were neighbors, in fact. And, and uh, one of the 
uh, neighbor said to the other neighbor, he said, I, I noticed that you have a, a pig with a wooden leg. What's that all about? He looked over his fence and he saw in, in the backyard that he had a pig with a wooden leg. He said, what, what is that all about? And the other farmer, the one with the, uh, the pig with the wooden leg, he said, he said, oh, that's Rosilla. That's Rosilla, our prized pig. Let me tell you about Rosilla. Rosilla does a wonderful job. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, one of our daughters was almost about to drown one day. And, and Rosilla started oinking. And, and just by her oinking, it alerted all of us. And we were able to save our daughter from drowning. He said, let me tell you something else about Rosilla. Rosilla is so wonderful. A burglar was trying to get into our house and, and Rosilla started oinking again and it alerted us and we were able to divert that burglar from getting into our house. Let, let me tell you again about Rosilla. Rosilla, she's so wonderful that our house was about to burn down. Something caught fire and Rosilla oinked again, alerted us and we were able to, we were able to avert our house from burning down. And he said, that's a wonderful story, and, and, and I'm glad to hear about that. The other neighbor did. He said, but could you tell me why Rosilla has a wooden leg? Uh, and, and the neighbor said, uh, well, a, a pig that wonderful, you can only eat a little at a time. <laughs> and so I, I trust that uh, each of you had a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving, uh, eating only a little at a time. Uh, today we're going to talk about Thanksgiving as we continue on our series about Thrive. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving, but not just Thanksgiving. Moving from thanksgiving to thanksgiving. Uh, would you, would you uh, help me uh, by bowing your heads for a word of prayer? Dear God, we uh, appreciate you now for this opportunity to share these words that you, you have given through the Holy Scriptures. We ask now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, you are my strength and my redeemer. We trust you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I am going to choose one particular passage of scripture, and I know uh, it has been our custom. I would love for you to do this if you can. Our scripture will come from St. John, the sixth chapter and the 10th verse. Would you mind standing as we uh, read that uh, particular passage there? St. John, the sixth chapter and the 10th verse. I'm just going to read the uh, 10th and 11th verses. John 6, 10 and 11. The Bible reads, tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. They all ate as much as they wanted. Again, we want to talk just very briefly about moving from thanksgiving to thanks living. God bless you. You may take your seats. There's one thing that we've learned, uh, and that is an attitude of gratitude will take you far. An attitude of gratitude will take you places that uh, a bad attitude will not take you. If you smile, it, it, it seems to go further than uh, if you go around frowning. As a matter of fact, uh, scientists, they've been debating a little bit, but one thing seems to be pretty true, and that is uh, a positive attitude brings more opportunities. Positive attitudes uh, actually in the Bible uh, stands clear on this and, and affirms this. A positive attitude will help your body heal. A positive attitude also makes you fun to be around. Who really likes to be around someone who doesn't have a positive attitude? 
positive attitude will attract other positive people. And so today, uh, we're, we're talking about that attitude of gratitude. We're talking about moving from thanksgiving to thanksgiving. And so it's not just uh, saying that uh, I'm, I'm grateful, but it's allowing that to be a part of your daily life, allowing that to be a part of how you operate, how you display your character. That's how we will talk about thriving today. We're going to choose to uh, look at John, John the sixth chapter. And, and I think it's probably familiar, the sixth chapter of John, where we talk about um, the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, many call it one of the first miracles that uh, Christ himself performed, the feeding of the 5,000. And, and, and you probably have heard of it. As a matter of fact, let me just take a, a quick poll. If you've heard of the feeding of the 5,000, let me see your hands. Let me just... Yes, you've heard of the feeding of the 5,000. And so um, you've heard of the feeding of the 5,000. So you probably have also heard similarly situated of the feeding of the 4,000. How many of you have read or heard of the feeding of the 4,000, which is also in the Bible? Yes. And isn't that amazing? The majority of people have heard of the larger miracle, if you will. But preachers don't really preach about the feeding of the 4,000. Preach about the 5,000, maybe because it's 1,000 people more. But we don't preach about a miracle that also took place in the Gospels. Maybe we don't preach about it because uh, the feeding of the 5,000 took place in all four of the Gospels. Synoptic Gospels as well as the the final Gospel. And so perhaps we don't talk about it because the feeding of the 4,000 only took place in two of the Gospels. Perhaps we don't talk about the feeding of the 4,000 because the feeding of the 4,000 did not include the lad, the little boy. Perhaps we don't talk about the feeding of the 4,000 because at the feeding of the 4,000, there was more provision. There were seven loaves instead of five loaves. But I want to make one clear distinction. In in the feeding of the 5,000, the distinction between the two, I think the greatest distinction was that the disciples had an attitude that was very different in the first of those miracles, the 5,000. From the second of those miracles, the 4,000. In the feeding of the 5,000, the disciples said something that that really set me back. And they said, when they were talking to Jesus, Jesus just got finished preaching. Those disciples said to Jesus, it's getting late now. Uh, These these folks, 5,000, not including the women and the children and the cousins and uh, the distant relatives. um, these, These folks, we should send them away. How dare the disciples, how dare the disciples who who have just witnessed a miracle in and of itself, Jesus sharing and preaching and and speaking into the lives of at least 5,000 people. How dare they say, all right, it's time now for everybody to go home. You do believe that Jesus is able to meet both your spiritual needs and your physical needs. As a matter of fact, that deserves a shout all by itself. That, that, that our heavenly father, he said in his word, he's able to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. As a matter of fact, that deserves a round of applause. Do you, do you agree with that? But the disciples said very differently, send them away. They didn't say that in the 4,000. And I, I, I just want to suggest that perhaps the reason they didn't say send them away in the 4,000. The second of those miracles. And they said, send them away in the 5,000. 
want to suggest that they had some maturity, or some maturing to do. I want to suggest that they had to move from just thanksgiving to thanksgiving. I want to suggest that they had some growing up to do. And perhaps we all have a little growing up to do. Right? As we understand what being grateful is all about. It's not just a, a catchphrase or a colloquialism. It, it should truly be a lifestyle. And so that perhaps is how we move from surviving to thriving. Here's what the word of God says. The word uh, of God says um, first that, uh, uh, and I'm reading here from Mark, the sixth chapter in the 38th verse. Again, um, the feeding of the 5,000 is found in all four of the gospels. And so I'm going to piece together a little bit um, what, what the gospels are saying here. And so Mark, the sixth chapter, so that we can get some details. Mark, the, Mark's, Mark, the sixth chapter and the 38th verse says, how much bread do you have? Jesus asked, go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. And so I've got five points that I want to point out, and and then I should be out of your way. I've got five points. The first point is that in order to move from thanksgiving to thanksgiving, you need to identify what you have. Jesus said, how much bread do you have? Go and find out how much bread do you have? They came back and reported, okay, we found five loaves and, and two fish. Over 100 questions Jesus asked in the Bible. And none, perhaps, are more profound than this. He says, how much bread do you have? I I glossed over that. I I, I read over that quickly the first several times. How much bread? it, It doesn't seem like it's significant at all. How much bread do you have? But in actuality, perhaps, it's very significant. Because here is Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Messiah, the I am that I am. First and the last, he asked, what are your resources? How much bread do you have? And the reason why this perhaps is as profound as any other question that Jesus ever asked is because Jesus, the Bible states, is the bread of life. And he's asking his disciples who have been walking with him for a period of time. Do you even recognize me as your provider? This is a good time to say amen. Do you recognize God in your life? You've got to identify what you have. And we used to say this a long time ago. I used to uh, learn this when I was coming up in school and and would go to Sunday school and church. Um, if, If you've got Jesus and nothing else, you've got enough to start all over again. Somebody ought to say amen. Yes, the bread of life asked the disciples, how much bread do you have? And so the first thing I want to suggest to you is that you have to identify what you have. Is there anybody in this house today, anybody in this church that knows you have Jesus? And so when your provision seems low, you can always rely on Jesus. Again, he is able to supply your every need. He's able to supply your every need according to his riches in glory. I, uh, I, I was a, um, a witness of this firsthand uh, because I, um, I did not realize what I had. I, uh, I gave my life to Christ in 2000. And um, after I gave my life to Christ, I, I didn't want to be a um, player player. Um, you know what that means, right? Um, I, I didn't want to uh, date a lot of Females. I just wanted to settle down and uh, and 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 find the right one and and get married and 
uh, if it was the Lord's will, start a family. And so that's, that's what I wanted to do. And um, I was anxious. I know none of you have ever been anxious before, but, but I was anxious. And, uh, and so um, can, can I just be honest? Uh, because confession is good for the soul. Um, it's kind of bad for the reputation, but uh, it's good for the soul. And, uh, and so I was anxious and, um, and, and the, uh, the honest uh, to goodness truth is I made a bad decision. And uh, I, I, uh, I found a young lady who I, I was sure was going to be the one. And I even got down on my knees and I asked her if she would marry me. And, and of course, uh, because I'm uh, tall, debonair and, uh, and uh, striking. And uh, of course, she said, yes, praise the Lord, everybody. But I got ahead of God. Got ahead of God. And uh, and it didn't work out. I had to call it off after three years. Painful situation in my life. But it was a growing experience. Two years later, uh, I got reacquainted with a young lady whom I had known for 20 years. As a matter of fact, we lived in the same neighborhood, about two minutes away from one another. We, we grew up together with one another's families, and, and we got reacquainted. And after a couple of dinners, and, uh, and uh, again, getting reacquainted, um, I asked her if she would marry me. I called off the other one, and, uh, <laughs> and I asked her if she would marry me. And, and I, I heard clearly from God this time, and sure enough, she... She is my wife today, and I'm so thankful Monique is here. But, but here, here's the point. The point is, uh, we'd known each other for 20 years, lived as close as two minutes away, never realized what I had been asking God for was right in front of my eyes. And how many of us misidentify what we have? We don't even realize what we have. Now, the Bible says, according to the words of Jesus, says, how much bread do you have? Point number two, you have to appreciate what you have. Luke, the ninth chapter, again, piecing together the pieces of the puzzle uh, from this story because there are bits of details in all of the Gospels. Luke, the ninth chapter in the thir- 13th verse says, but Jesus said, you feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Or are you expecting us, the disciples said, to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? We have to appreciate what we have. We have to appreciate what we have. Instead of um, bemoaning or besmirching what we have, we have to actually, we have to actually appreciate what we have. There, there, was a, um, there was a lady who read a book one day, and she read this book, and um, she thought the book was miserable. She thought it was horrible. It was a waste of time. She told uh, one of her good friends, she said, I just, I just wasted my time reading this entire book. And uh, her friend said, okay, we'll go and find another book. And, um, and so uh, she, she was a little bit distraught, and, uh, and so it was. Some years later, uh, she uh, started dating a young man. She was dating this young man, and uh, they were at dinner one day, and uh, they uh, had just recently got engaged. And she said, you know, there's something that's odd. Um, you have the same name of the author of this book that I read once. And uh, the young man uh, asked her the name of the book. She told him. And he said, yes, that's the book that I wrote, the one that she thought was horrible. Uh, he said, that's the book that I wrote. And so after dinner that night, she went home and, and she reread that same book that she thought was just absolutely deplorable. She reread it. She reread it. It took about a week to finish it. 
After she finished it, she called her best friend again, and she said, she said, I just reread that book that a couple of years ago I, I thought was horrible, and I, I think it's the greatest book I've ever read in my life. Her friend said, what are you talking about? How, how can this be the greatest book? Just a few years ago, you read this same book, and you thought it was, it was horrendous. And she said, uh, the difference is I, I've fallen in love with the author. And I just want to suggest to you that life is so much sweeter when you fall in love with the author. When you appreciate what you have. Instead of going around with your head hung down when difficult things happen and not thriving, just barely surviving, making it from one day to another day, allowing the rain to set in and and rain on your parade, appreciate that God is good and his mercy endures throughout all generations. Do I have an amen in the building? Yes. And so the second thing is we have to appreciate what we have. The third thing is um, the Bible says that he honored God. He honored God. John, the sixth chapter and the 11th verse. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish and they all ate as much as they wanted. Jesus took time To honor God. Jesus took time to honor God. Sometimes we call this uh, grace, and that's fine, uh, because uh, grace has the uh, same etymological root as as the word thanks, charis. Uh, That word charis means both to, uh, uh, to receive grace and to rejoice or to give thanks. And so here is Jesus at the feeding of the 5,000. You remember the story. Um, he, he, first, he first said, well, what do we have? And they said, the disciples said, um, Jesus, we need to send them away because the market is about to close and they need to get their own food. He said, no, um, tell me what you have. And they said, well, we only have five loaves and two fish. And so Jesus took what they had, appreciated what they had. And then the Bible says that, that Jesus honored God or what we call gave grace. Gave thanks. He, he honored God. He honored God. And that's what we do when we pray what we consider the Our Father's Prayer. We say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We, we say those things in honoring God before we ask for anything. We ask for daily bread and we ask for him to deliver us from temptation and, and to, uh, to, to move evil out of our path or to allow us to overcome evil. Uh, we're, we're able to accomplish those things after we honor God. Let me hear you say that. Honor God. It is important in all that we do not to honor, excuse me, not to forget to honor God. And so it's important for us to do that. But then there is a distinction between the honoring of God. And the fourth point, I only have five. The fourth point, which is to bless what you have. Now it's getting real good. It's, it's almost time to eat. 5,000 folks are gathered. Jesus identifies what he has, appreciates what he has. Then he takes time to honor God. And then the Bible says, Matthew's the 14th chapter, the 19th verse, the first part of the 19th verse. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up towards heaven and blessed them. Blessed them. And I had to read this a couple of times because I wasn't sure if he was blessing, blessing the people. If he was blessing the disciples. The Bible teaches us that he blessed. He blessed what he had. 
And, and the reason why it gets really good here is because this is, this is where we drop off from our opportunity to thrive. Our opportunity to, to go from thanksgiving to thanksgiving. Because how many of us, us, myself included, we look at our resources, we see 5,000 people, metaphorically speaking, we see bills that have to be paid, we see children that have to go to school or daycare, unmet needs, and then we look at what we have and we say, this is not enough. These two fish, these five loaves of bread, there's no way that this is going to be able to do it. But the Bible said that Jesus, it's a miracle, it's a miracle. And the process of this miracle says that Jesus, before the miracle was even performed, blessed what he had. And so I have a challenge to you today. The next time it doesn't look like you have enough, instead of cursing your resources, take out what you have and just say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do what you're going to do. But I believe that you're able to supply my every need. I believe that you're faithful. I believe that you're going to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or I can ask or think. I believe that you're going to do it. I believe. Don't know how, but I believe. Somebody shout, I believe. And if you do that, the Bible says you put yourself in line for the next part of the miracle. So instead of cursing your resources, you bless your resources. I just want to say that one more time. I'm, I'm going to the last point. Instead of cursing your resources or always being upset about not having enough, thank God for what you have. Yes, this is a good opportunity to praise God. It's a good opportunity. You know, if I'm drowning um, in a river or a lake somewhere, God forbid, but if I'm drowning, um, all I need is a rope. That's all I need. And uh, I really don't care if the rope comes from a Democrat or a Republican. <laughs> I just need a rope. Doesn't matter if it comes from a black person or a white person. Uh, I just need a rope. Um, person could be an Auburn fan or an Alabama fan. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, just, I just need a rope. That, that's what I need. And so at no point should anybody that's drowning look at the person that threw the rope out and say, no, 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 this is a Democrat rope. I can't do that. No, you take the rope because the number one thing you're trying to do is get out of the water. Somebody shout amen. And so instead of Looking at what you have and saying, this is not going to work. Thank God for what you have. Come on, let's give God another round of applause. Thanking God. Thanking God for what we have. The last portion of this uh, is point number five. You have to break what you have. Now, this is the part that you usually don't like, that we usually don't like. Um, because um, our subtext was uh, I, uh, in Thrive, I was broke and now I'm not. You all remember that, right? I was broke. Now I'm not. And we we really like the uh, now I'm not part. And we're, we're kind of cool with the was part, but we don't like the I broke. Right. We like iPads and uh, uh, iPods and uh, the iPod or iPad mini. We like iPhones, but we don't like I broke. And um, so so we like now I'm not. We like. Uh, maybe the was, but we don't like to be broken. Who really likes to be broken? 
You can't, you can't get to distribution. You can't get to handing out the fish and the loaves of bread unless first they're broken. We just took communion. And in order for us to receive communion and to honor God for what he's done, his body had to be broken. In order for us to be used, sometimes we have to go through the process first of being broke so that we can get to the other part of that, which is now and I'm not. We're ready to shout now and I'm not, but there's a process in order for there to be a miracle. And I want to suggest to you the last minute of what I have to say. The most important portion of this miracle is the fact that Jesus broke the bread. He broke the bread. Uh, let, me, let me close by, by saying this. Um, Pastor Shesky talked a little bit about me having gone to uh, law school, and uh, certainly I did. Uh, but uh, I only went to law school because I, I told everyone from the time I was 10 years old that I was going to be a lawyer. And um, when I uh, actually got to law school, uh, I realized what lawyers do, and it's not what you see on television. And I didn't want to be a lawyer anymore. I, uh, I thought that it was boring. No, um, no offense to, to the lawyers. I see some of my good friends, lawyers, that are here today. Uh, but I just thought, I thought it was boring. And, um, and God had another calling on my life. As a matter of fact, a year in, uh, I received a call to ministry, a year into uh, to law school. And so uh, here I am. A year in the law school, and um, I've got to figure out what I'm going to do because I'm not a quitter, uh, but I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to be a lawyer. And so I decided that I would continue and I would go ahead and finish. Uh, I would go ahead and finish, but uh, but it was a struggle, and it was so much of a struggle that that I, I I didn't take care of my studies like I should have. And I got a note from the dean uh, that said. Uh, And I'm not sure if you've ever received a note from the dean, but I got a note from the dean that said that Clary Butler, that's me, um, you are now on probation. Your grades have fallen below the uh, the average that you have to keep in order to stay in law school. And and now you are on probation and you have a semester to bring your grades back up or you will. um, I'm not sure the words that they used, but but the words that I received was you'd be removed from law school. (sighs) This is embarrassing. Because I've told so many people, it's going to be in law school. I, I never realized what law school entailed. So, and so now, here it is. I'm at my breaking point. And can I be honest with you? I even thought about suicide. One of my friends, to show you how difficult the process could be, one of my friends even committed suicide in law school. It's a breaking point. But instead of doing something silly, I decided I would pray and fast. Decided on my next test, I would, uh, I would pray over my test before I wrote a single word, before I wrote my name. Decided I would recommit myself to going to church and to studying God's word similarly to the way I was supposed to have been studying my law books. And don't you know, my my grades rose and uh, I got to my final year in law school. I got another letter from the dean. And uh, this this letter said, Clary Butler, that's me. Uh, Clary Butler, um, we we have been monitoring your grades and we want to let you know that um, as a result of your hard work, we want to give you a scholarship for your last year in law school. Come on, that deserves a round of applause. God is good. I graduated, I finished school. 
but I want you to know that all of that was a part of the process. Moving from thanksgiving to thanksgiving. Going through the process of being broken, appreciating what I had, identifying what I had, so that I could truly thrive. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Clary. And um, I'm sure that God has used this message in your life to challenge you, to stimulate you, to encourage you. And uh, if God is working in your heart today for any reason and you need prayer, we would encourage you at the close of the service this morning to come, excuse me, to come. Our prayer team will be here at the front and we would love to be able to pray with you, pray for you, for whatever reason. Um, Nothing is too small for God and nothing is too big for God. He is here today and he's waiting for you. So at the close of the service, if you will come and we would love to be able to pray for you. You know, we don't mention this very often in our services, but uh, we do like to take up an offering here. We do like to give back to God what he has blessed us with. And hasn't he blessed us so? Are you thankful this morning? I mean, really grateful for what God has done in your life. He woke you up this morning. He's given you air to breathe. He's given you clothes to wear. He's given you a car to come to this place. He has provided us this wonderful building in which we can come and gather and worship Him. And we ought to be very thankful for what He has done in our lives. And so uh, we have an opportunity to give back to God what is His, His tithe, and also our offering. And so at the uh, close of the service, as you leave, the offering boxes are located at uh, every exit of this building today. Before we leave, be sure and take one of the boxes uh, to Indy with Love or Love Indy, one of these boxes, and you can fill it up and bring it back. And we want to uh, share the resources that God has given to us with people who do not have. So if you would do that, that'd be great. Let's stand as we close our service this morning. The word of the Lord says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. Father, thank you for being faithful and thank you for growing us and moving us from a thanksgiving lifestyle to a thanksgiving lifestyle with our focus on you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. Keep coming back. We'll see you next week.